Amen. Well, for the last couple weeks, Pastor Jeff has kind of given us seven steps on the road to greatness. And so today I want to talk to you on the topic, Greatness Will Prevail. Amen. So if you're taking notes, that is the title of today's message, Greatness Will Prevail. Yeah. We're going to kind of be uh, camping in Acts chapter 16 today, and I'm going to pick it up in verse 23. It says this, it says, and when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, talking about Paul and Silas. They threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's chains were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awakening from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul called with a loud voice, saying, Do yourself no harm, for we are all here. I'm going to pray, and we'll jump into this. Father, I love you. God, I thank you so much for your word today. God, I thank you, Lord, that your presence is so evident in this place. And so, God, as I bring forth this word, this word, God, may your spirit stand tall in me. God, would this word penetrate the hearts of your people. God, may it follow us when we go home. May it follow us throughout the week. God, we're hungry for you. And so, God, speak and have your way today. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Now. I don't know about any of you guys, but I am in a season of my life right now that's not very comfortable. And as I continue to follow the Lord, I'm finding that I am in more uncomfortable seasons. As I follow the Lord, as I do his will, his will, I am finding that I have been more uncomfortable. Which leads me to point number one today. There's pressure before greatness. There's pressure before greatness. See, I realized as I've walked with God, and as I read about people like Paul and Silas, that God's focus for your life is not so that you would be comfortable. See, because what God does is he molds and shapes you so that you can be and do all that you were created for, but that process is not comfortable. And we can even look... I feel like some of you should write this down because some of you are about to step out in faith and some of you are about to believe God for something that's bigger than yourself. And along and in the process, you're going to need to remember that it's not always going to feel comfortable. Because we can even look at Paul and Silas who love the Lord, who have been preaching the gospel, who have been changing nations and affecting generations. We see even them have to go into seasons of their life where it is very uncomfortable. And so as I face this season of being uncomfortable, I'm able to be okay with the pain that's connected to the promise because I've seen God come through. Right, I've seen the goodness of God. I've experienced the promise of God, the promises of God to come to pass in my life. And so whenever I'm uncomfortable, I'm able to be okay, okay with the pain because I know that there's a promise on the other side of this. There's, the, there's a promise on the other side of the discomfort. There's a promise on the other side of the pain. But I gotta be okay with the pressure that I'm gonna feel along the way. Yeah. 
but it's not always comfortable. And I've learned how to walk through the discomfort. I've learned how to navigate through the pain that's connected to the promise. See, whenever you are believing God for something, whether that be in your finances, whether that be in the thing that you feel called to, whether that be in a, you know making a decision that's going to change your family, whatever you are believing God for, there is going to be a process to get to that promise. And that process isn't always going to be comfortable. There's going to be some bumps. It's going to hurt a little bit because what God is doing is he's molding and shaping you so that you can handle the promise at the end of the process. See, a couple years, you couldn't have given me anything to come up here and preach. <laughs> nothing. No amount of money. I'm like, uh-uh, I'm praying in front of anybody. I ain't saying nothing. But I've learned how to walk through the discomfort. I've learned how to deal, be okay with the pain that's connected to the promise. Galatians 6, 9 says this. It says, do not go weary while in doing good, for in due season you will reap if you do not lose heart. Do not grow weary while doing good. See, we have to learn that as we follow God, there's going to be seasons in our life where we are going to feel the pressure. It's not always going to feel comfortable. God, I want to begin to pray with my spouse out loud, and it's not going to feel comfortable, but if I want the promise that is a result of that, I have to be okay through going through the process. So there's going to be seasons in your life where God is going to say, okay, I'm going to call you out. I'm going to call you to step out in faith. I need you to begin to trust me, whether that be with your tithe. And it's not going to feel comfortable. It's not going to feel like you're smooth sailing all of the time. There's going to be moments where you're going to need to say, God, is this the right thing to do? Because oftentimes we think if we're feeling pressure, if we're feeling discomfort, if we're feeling um, a resistance, then we, then we think we must not be in the will of God. But in fact, oftentimes it's the exact opposite. When you feel the resistance, when you feel the pressure, when you feel the discomfort, God is saying, no, that you're exactly where I need you to be. You are exactly where I need you to be. And so do not grow weary while doing good. See, we have to understand that we cannot give up. And we have to see the uncomfortability as an opportunity for God to show up and show you his glory. We have to be okay with the pain connected to the process. We cannot give up. We cannot grow weary. We cannot quit. I have children that I've got to fight for. I got a youth ministry that I got to fight for. I got people around me. I have neighbors. I cannot grow weary while doing good. But I have to know that there is going to be pain connected to the process. It's not always going to feel comfortable. It's not comfortable. Um, sacrificing your sleep to wake up in the morning so that you can get in the word of God, right? It's not comfortable turning off Netflix so that you can actually spend time with the Lord and pray. That's not comfortable, right? Because I want to sit back and kick, kick my feet up with a pint of ice cream, but I got to be okay with the pain that's connected to the promise. It's not going to always be comfortable. And so instead of allowing our weariness to hold us back, I have to remind myself, okay, God's called me to something. 
I've got something to accomplish. I can't be who I used to be, right? I have to learn to have integrity. I have to learn that if God's called me to it, he will grace me for it. I have to learn to have, I have, to learn to have this money work for me and not against me. See, I have to learn to be okay with the pain connected to the process because there is a promise waiting for me on the other side. But I can't stay where I am. I got to get uncomfortable because when I'm uncomfortable, that means that I'm growing. Yeah. And so the goal is for you to get uncomfortable all of the time. So when you get comfortable in an area, you're saying, okay, I know that something's coming because God doesn't want me to be comfortable. He wants to grow me, right? He's trying to mold and shape me. He's trying to get me to the place that I need to be so that I can affect and change lives around me. But I can't do that if the only thing I want to do is stay comfortable. But I got to recognize that being uncomfortable is really just an opportunity for God to show up and show me his glory. Greatness is supposed to prevail in my life. I can't grow weary while doing good. I can't get tired. I can't give up. People need me. Generations need me. I'm here to leave a legacy. I'm called to something. So I got to be okay with being uncomfortable. See, Paul and Silas, they were in prison and they had to have felt the pressure. But the difference is, is Paul and Silas were able to identify that pressure as an opportunity. It was an opportunity to see God move. It was an opportunity to see God do something great. And oftentimes we, we feel the pressure and we try to resist it. Right? We try to get out. I'm feeling pressure. I'm feeling like this isn't right, right? And so we try to get out, but really we just need to be able to recognize that pressure as an opportunity for God to do something great in your life. I got to be okay with the pressure. I got to learn to love the pressure. And we are in a season of our life. Oh, I wish I could give you all the details, but there is so much pressure. It is so uncomfortable because we're having to believe God for some really big things. We're having to believe God to come through in some really big ways and in really big ways, and it's not comfortable. But I gotta remind myself, okay, God, you are with me in this thing. You are with me in the battle. You are with me as I face the trial. And so, God, I'm able to be okay with the pain connected to the process. Because you promised me that greatness will prevail in my life. But I cannot give up. I cannot keep resisting the pressure. I cannot give up. I got to keep going after this thing. I got to keep fighting. I got to keep getting on my knees and praying. I got to keep declaring the promises over my life, over my family, over my business, over my finances. I cannot give up. But I got to learn to love the pressure. So when you're doing what God has called you to do, oftentimes it will feel uncomfortable. But you don't have to worry because whatever you're facing, God says, I already prepared it beforehand. Yes. Ephesians 2.10 tells us, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand. So that means that whatever I'm facing, I don't have to worry if it's going to defeat me. Whatever I'm facing, I don't have to worry if it's going to drag me under because God said, no, you need to understand, I have prepared it for you, which means that it has been ordained to be everything that it is supposed to be. 
It will be great. I've called you to greatness. There's greatness that is living down on the inside of you. I have declared over your life, greatness prevail in the name of Jesus, and it will happen. But you got to love the pressure. you got to get a little uncomfortable. And so it's important we remember that we can't give up because... Even though the marriage is rough, God has predestined it to succeed. And even though the bank account looks hopeless, God has predestined it to have no lack. And even though my health may look weak, God has predestined it for life and peace. Greatness will prevail. God prepared it beforehand. This is what has been declared over your life. But I cannot give up. I cannot give in to the pressure. I got to go through this thing. The only way through the pressure is through it. I got to go through it. But I have to learn to love the pressure. Point number two. Greatness prevails after prayer and praise. Greatness prevails after prayer and praise. So Paul and Silas, they're imprisoned, right? Their feet are chained. It seems like there's no hope for them, right? They're bound. The people try to take their freedom. But we see Paul and Silas make a decision that instead of being swayed by what they saw in front of them, they made a decision that they were just going to call on God and invite him to come down and be a part of this thing with them. And I think that oftentimes we are praying for God to deliver us when really God's like, I just need an invitation to come down and be with you in this mess. I just need you to invite me to come down and be in this thing with you. And all we got to do is say, God, I need you. God, I need you to come and do something in me. God, I need you to come and work in my marriage. God, I invite you to come and change me from the inside out. And God has said, I'm ready. Let's do this. I was just waiting on my invitation. But he's there. He's with you. He's ready to fight for you. He's ready to get down in this thing with you. Now, the reason why Paul and Silas were imprisoned was because uh, you'll see in the text a few scriptures before there is this girl that was demon possessed and she would do fortune telling and she would make a profit for the masters that she was a slave to. And so Paul and Silas show up on the scene and they say, in the, name, in the name of Jesus, demon, come out of her. And this girl was delivered from the demon. And so the fact that she could no longer make a profit for her masters made her masters angry. Which is why they have Paul and Silas thrown into prison. Now, Paul and Silas had these great intentions, right? They're doing God's word. They're bringing freedom to people but what happens when great intentions are met with great opposition? What do you do? When you, you're following God, you're on God's path, and you're saying, okay, God, I'm willing to go through this, this discomfort. God, I'm willing to go through the process. And so you're doing it. You're grinding it out. You're doing everything that you've called to do. But what happens when a great opposition comes in front of you? You guys know what this is like, right? It's like when you experience the best and the worst of something, right? Like you just found out that you got promoted at your job, but then the very next thing is you look at your phone and you get a text that your kids are separating. Or you just found out that you're expecting a baby, and then the very next thing that happens is there's a death in the family. 
or you're on your way to a wedding and then the very next thing is you have to take a detour to a funeral. What happens when the best and the worst thing happen? This is what Paul and Silas were experiencing. They had just seen the power of God move. They had just seen God show up and show his glory by delivering this demonic girl out from a demon. They just delivered her. They saw God set her free. But then the very next thing they see is they find themselves in the middle of a mob dragged in front of the authorities. Where they are beaten and chained and in prison. It's the best and the worst thing happening. It's like, have you ever had this happen where you wake up in the morning and everything is going good? Excuse me. Everything is going good, but then by the time you go to bed, you have four new giants that are standing in front of you that you got to face the next day. It's kind of been our life right now. So it's the best and it's the worst thing happen, and this is what Paul and Silas were experiencing. And we pick up the text in verse 23, it says, And when they had laid many stripes on them. Now just take a minute, because I want to just point out the fact that they weren't just hit a couple times. Paul and Silas were stripped and beaten. They were laid many stripes on them, which means they got a rod and they hit them on their backs. They were brutally beaten. So it says, and when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. What just happened? Bam! In the name of Jesus, demon, come out of her. They see that she has been set free. But then the next thing they know is they are thrown into prison. They are beaten. They are chained. What do you do when great intentions are met with great opposition? God, I just experienced your goodness. God, I've seen you come through in my life. But God, I'm facing this giant now. What do I do? And so the jailer or the master said, you know, throw them into prison. They're beaten, chained, and they say, we'll deal with them tomorrow. Verse 25, but at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying. Now stop right there, because I get the praying part, right? I get, like, after being beaten, thrown into prison, I get why you would pray, right? God, deliver me out of this thing. God, I need you to show up. God, fix this. But it's what they did after that I find interesting. It says, and what, uh, it says but at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and, and singing hymns to God. Paul and Silas, it's like they're having a conversation with one another, and they're like, even though we're in prison, even though we're beaten, even though we are changed, even though it seems as if we are bound, I'm going to choose to lift up my praise. They will not take my worship from me. There may be giants in front of me, but I'm not going to let it take my praise. It's like Paul saying, Silas, come on, let's lift up a shout of praise. God is still good. We're still going after this thing. It's not comfortable. It's going to hurt a little bit. But there is a promise on the other side of this. Why? Because I've seen God come through. I've seen him do it, and I know that I'll see him do it again. Even though 
the marriage is rough, even though the finances are tight, even though the kid has walked away from God, even though you're dealing with insecurity, even though your life is a mess, even though I will not let it take my praise. Because greatness happens after prayer and praise. Greatness will prevail in your life, but you cannot let that giant take away your praise. You cannot let that giant get you quiet because as soon as you get quiet, the enemy just won. Why? Because as Pastor Jeff said, your words hold power. And so when I release a song of praise, when I say, God, there is no one like you. God, in the midst of this battle, in the midst of this war, in the midst of this shame, God, I'm going to choose to lift up a shout of praise. God, I'm going to choose to worship you. I'm holding nothing back. I'm going to go through the discomfort. I'm going to go through the pain because I've seen the promise come to pass. I will praise him. When it's hard, I will praise him. When it looks like he's not there, I will praise him. I will praise him. Verse 25, but at midnight, Paul and Silas are praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Point number three, greatness isn't just for you. Greatness isn't just for you. Verse 26 says, suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundation of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loose. Their prayer and praise in the midst of pressure didn't just do something to set their hearts on fire. It didn't just spark or rise their faith in the midst of the battle. Their prayer and praise didn't just release their chains, didn't just set them free. It says that everybody's prison doors were open and everybody's chains were loose. Your prayer and praise has the power to affect the people around you. Greatness prevailing in your life is not just for you. It's for your neighbors. It's for your kids. It's for the people around you. It's for the city. Your prayer and praise has the power to set people free. In the midst of pressure, your prayer and praise matters. In the midst of facing a giant, your prayer and praise matters. And it doesn't just matter for you, it matters for the people around you. It won't just do something to change your heart, it'll do something to change the heart of the people around you. To bring people freedom, your worship, my worship, it changes things, it changes the atmosphere. Miracles take forth when praise is there, right? God shows up when we release the sound of praise. Verse 27, and the keeper of the prison, awakening from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul called with a loud voice saying, do yourself no harm for we are all here. Then he called for a light, ran in and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? The miracle wasn't just what happened in the prison, it's what happened after. 
They just experienced greatness prevail. Revival just broke out. Their prayer and worship just released heaven over every heart in that prison. Their worship just set captives free. God moved. Chains were, chains were broken. Doors flew open, right? God was present. The atmosphere became different, so much so that the jailer runs in and he says, what must I do to be saved? Your prayer and praise is enough to see greatness prevail in your life, but in the life of the people around you. It's powerful. It holds power. It holds purpose. It holds miracles. It holds the will of God. Your praise matters. Verse 31, so they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. Amen. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them that same hour of the night, washed their stripes, and immediately he and his family were baptized. Now when he had brought them into his house, he set food before them and he rejoiced having believed in God with all his household. What a powerful series of events but see paul and silas learned how to navigate through the pressure paul and silas learned how to navigate through the discomfort and they were able to recognize the discomfort as an opportunity to really just see god do what he wants to do and when they did that when they realized okay god in the midst of this pressure in the midst of this battle in the midst of this giant i'm going to choose to lift up my praise to you and when i do i'm believing god that it is an opportunity for you to show up for you to bring out things in me that i didn't know were possible right it's through the pressure where god's going to birth a ministry down inside of you it's through the pressure that god's going to refocus you it's through the pressure that god's going to put identity on you it's through the pressure that greatness prevails, but I got to be okay with the pressure. I got to be okay with the discomfort, and I got to see it as an opportunity for God to do what he wants to do. And we look at Paul and Silas, and they say, God, you're about to do something good. You're about to show up. And what they did is their prayer and praise didn't just affect their lives. Everybody's prison doors were open. Everybody's chains were loose. The jailer's whole family were saved. And so what Paul does is he preaches the message of Jesus. He, uh, <clears throat> he breaks down the gospel. And he says, okay, jailer, this is, what, this is what the truth is. There's a man named Jesus who died on the cross for you. And he loves you. It's a reckless love. You have no idea. This man named Jesus would do anything for you. He would leave the 99 for the one. This man named Jesus, he would go and he would die a brutal, gruesome death on the cross so that you can be saved. Jailer, you need to understand, if you just put your faith in him, I promise you, you are going to receive a joy. There's nothing like this joy. It's a joy that you only get from God. But Jailer, I gotta preach the message of Jesus to you because you need to understand that Jesus is the one that you need. And so church, whatever you're facing, whatever giant you're, you're looking at right now, you need to know that there's one thing that you need. And that one thing that you need is the name of Jesus. You need a real, vibrant relationship with the living God. The fact that we can go before God, the maker of heaven and earth, and say, God, I need you. I invite you to come down and be in this mess with me. God, I want a relationship with you. God, I want revelation of who you 
Paul says, it's Jesus. He's the one. He's the one that you need. And the jailer says, oh my God, baptize me. I need this kind of love because my life doesn't look like, it doesn't feel like it's going the way it's supposed to. I wake up in the morning and I don't know what I'm here for. I wake up in the morning and I don't know how to parent my kids. I wake up in the morning and I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills. But God is saying, no, you just need me. You just invite me to come down and be with you in your mess. And I promise you, I will restore your life. I will make sure that greatness prevails in your life. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to send you through a process. I'm going to send you through a process that's not comfortable, that's going to be discomfortable, right? I'm not, you're not going to like it. It might be a little painful, but God is saying, I'm going to get you to the promise on the other side. But you got to love the pressure. And see, I believe that one of the reasons why Paul and Silas were able to pray and praise in the midst of being imprisoned was because they remembered their experience with God. And this is so important because I feel like if you remember what God's done for you, then you'll be able to go through this thing and remember, okay, I've seen you come through before. God, I've seen you work in my family before. God, I've seen you turn all things together for my good before. God, I've seen you bring the money in the bank account before. But God, I just need you. And Paul and Silas remembered, okay, we've experienced life with Christ. I've experienced this. I've experienced the freedom of God. I've seen God come down and deliver demons out of people. I've seen God come down and perform miracles on earth. I've seen God change me, right? Paul, think about him. His job was to murder Christians. If you believed in Jesus, Paul was the one that said, okay, strip them, beat them, and throw them into into prison. And so could it be that while Paul was in the prison, that he remembered, God, I used to put people in the same situation. God, and I remembered what you did for me. You got a hold of me. You did something inside my heart. You changed me from the inside out. And so, God, I'm going to choose to lift up a praise to you today. But you can't forget what God's done for you. You can't forget God's real. He's alive. And you need a real relationship with the living God. But we can't give up. We can't grow weary while doing good. We got to keep going. We can't forget, God, you've done this before. And I'm going to see you do it again. It may not be comfortable, but you will come through. There's greatness that's supposed to prevail in my life. You've called me to greatness. There's greatness living down on the inside of you. And all I got to do is begin to open my mouth and lift up a shout of praise. And as I watch you come and defeat my enemies before me, as I watch you come and deliver me out of darkness, as I watch you come and remove the shame that has overwhelmed my heart, God, all I need is you. But we got to remember, what has he done for you? And if you feel like he hasn't done anything for you you yet, let me just tell you that God formed you in your mother's womb. That God calls you by name. That God says, I would do anything for just you. If you were the only person on earth, I would would leave my position in heaven. I will come down and I will be brutally murdered and tortured for just you. We got to remember what he did for us. He's so good. And see, Paul and Silas, they had a revelation of who God is. 
They had a revelation of the love of God. They knew God. They knew that God was sovereign. They knew that God held power. They knew that God's mercy was new every single morning. See, they knew God. And so when the discomfort came, he was able to lift up a shout of praise. And so let me just encourage you once again today that Jesus is the one that you need to conquer your giant. Jesus is the one that you need to help you walk through the discomfort. Jesus is the one that you need to help you walk through the pain that's connected to the process that's going to result in a promise. You need a relationship with him. It's how you're going to get through. And it's how you're going to see greatness prevail at the end. Amen? Amen. And see, you need to start today. You need to start today. God, I need, it's that invitation. God, I need a revelation of who you are. God, I need to understand that this thing is real. God, I need to know that even though I feel like I'm walking in darkness, even though I feel like everything's coming against me, God, I need to know that you are with me. And so, God, right now, I invite you to come down to speak a word inside my heart, to personalize this message so that, God, that I would know you. God, I got to know you. I got to know that as I'm speaking right now, as the preacher is speaking, I got to know that what he's saying is true, but I'm only going to know that as if I have an experience with you. It's as simple as an invitation to God. God, I just need you to come down in this darkness with me. God, I need to just, I'm going to stop praying that you would deliver me, and I'm just going to begin to invite you to come down in this thing with me so that I can grow and I can be molded and shaped into the person that you've called me to be. God, I'm going to be okay with the, with the process. I'm going to be okay with being uncomfortable. But God, I need to know you. I can't do this without you. I can't raise my kids to be giant slayers without you. I can't raise my kids to go into a worldly school and know what's right from wrong without you. God, I need you. God, I need you to be in the midst of my finances. God, I need you to be in the midst of the trial that's going on in my family. God, I need you to be in the midst of my chemo. God, I need you to be in the midst of the divorce court. God, I need you to be in the midst of everything that is coming against me. Because if you are in the midst of it, then I know greatness will prevail. And I know you will come through for me because I've seen it done. I've seen it happen in her life. I've seen it happen in his life. I've seen you come through. And if you did it for them, you're going to do it for me. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to choose to lift up a shout of praise. Saying you can't hold my praise back. You can't keep me quiet because even though you're trying to distract me with what's in front of me, God has declared greatness over my life. Greatness will prevail and I will declare it and I will declare it and I'm not going to give up and I'm going to keep pressing towards this thing and I'm going to keep moving towards you. I'm going to keep dragging these kids to church. I'm going to keep praying for my husband. I'm going to keep getting on my knees and declaring that my kid will come to know you and follow you and love you. God, I will not be quiet. But I got to know him. I got to know who he is. I got to know that this thing isn't some made up story. I got to know, God, okay, you're down in this thing with me. Because this giant is no small thing. It's a big giant, God, that I feel like I'm facing and I feel like I may drown. But God, if you just come down in this thing with me, I know that we can do this together. But I can't do it without you. I can't love 
the person that's super mean to me without you. I can't keep serving in my ministry and not getting tired without you. God, I need you. I need you. I need a relationship with you. So there's pressure before greatness. Greatness comes after prayer and praise. And greatness isn't just for you. We did a series not that long ago on run, and it's about running after people. Right? And I love that when I was studying this and I realized, oh my God, the greatness wasn't just for Paul and Silas to experience. The discomfort wasn't just for them to get the promise at the end. That thing was for everybody around them. And so I just want to let you know, church, that we cannot stop running. We cannot keep stop recognizing that everything that I go through and every giant I face is supposed to influence the people around me. It's supposed to mold and shape me, and it's going to hurt, and it's going to be uncomfortable because what God does is he begins to show you the pride that's in yourself. He begins to show you the areas where you don't measure up, right? Because what you do is you begin to say, God, I can't do this without you. Every time before I walk up on this stage, I say, God, I can't even say hi without you. Like, I'm telling you that that's how desperate I feel for him. And I believe that the thing that you feel called to, God wants to bring you to a place where you feel so desperate that you continually call out to God and say, God, I can't do this without you. And so every time before I come up here, God, you better work in and through me. Because if not, God, this is going to be a mess. And so, Holy Spirit, I do. I invite you to come down and to stand tall within me so that you, your name can be preached, God. So that you get the ultimate glory. See, when I make it about myself, I lose. But when I make it about him, everybody wins. You are called to greatness despite what you've experienced despite what you are facing there is greatness living down on the inside of you and all you got to do sometimes is invite him to come down and be with you all you got to do sometimes is lift up a shout of praise god be with me in this thing you have declared over my life greatness is going to prevail and so god if that's going to happen i need you to be with me I need you to fight with me. God, I need to know you. I need to know you not just as a father, but I need to know you as a friend. Because, God, there's no one like you. There's no other joy. There's no other sense of fulfillment that I get than when I'm not with you. I just need to be with you. I just got to get in your presence. When I get in your presence, oh, God, everything changes. When I get in your presence, I begin to fall on my knees and cry out to you, God, I need you. God, I need to know you, God. If I'm going to continue to lead in this capacity, God, I need a deeper understanding of who you are. But God, I'm so desperate for you. I'm so desperate to know you. I'm so desperate to have deeper revelation. I don't want just a shallow understanding of who God is. I don't want to just come to church here and there. It's not enough. God, I need a real relationship with you. When I go to the store, I need to hear you speak to me. When I'm disciplining my kid, I need to hear you speak to me. When I'm grinding it out, scrubbing toilets, I need to hear you speak to me. We're janitors, by the way. 
Right, God, I need you. And I want to encourage you today that he is a God that hears you. And it's a simple statement that is so profound when you have revelation of it. Because when God is with you, he will be with you in the chemo room. He will be with you in the divorce court. He will be with you at the bank. He will be with you at your job. He will be with you whatever, wherever you're at. God, I just need you with me. I just need you to come, to come down and be in this thing with me. Would you stand with me today? You have been called to greatness. There is greatness living down on the inside of you, and it's by grace that you have a seat at God's table. It's by grace that you have a seat at God's table. God says, okay, if you want me, all you got to do is invite me, and I'm going to come up there, and I'm going to eat with you, and I'm going to drink with you, and I'm going to worship with you, and I'm going to minister with you, and I'm going to be right there in every single area of your life. All you got to do is invite me in. And I promise you I'll be there. He won't leave you or forsake you. The Bible says, the Bible says that God inhabits the praises of his people. That God inhabits the praises of his people. That means wherever I'm at, if I just begin to praise even if it's from a place of brokenness, even if it's from a dark place, if I just begin to praise in the midst of doubt, if I just begin to praise in the midst of fear of failure, if I just begin to praise in the midst of my darkest night, if I just lift up a shout of praise, God says, I'm going to be there with you. My presence will overwhelm you. My presence will surround you. I'm going to pray over us today. Every head bowed and eyes closed. Father, we love you. God, we thank you that your love is unconditional. God, we thank you that you have declared greatness over our life. And so, God, right now we come boldly before you and we say, God, I just want to invite you to come down and be in this thing with me. God, I need to know you. I need to know who you are. I need to have de deeper revelation, deeper understanding. I need wisdom, God. I can't go through this life without you. I can't defeat this giant without you. And so, God, I'm just going to ask that you come and you just remind me, no, I'm with you. I was with you then. I will be with you now. There is greatness living on the inside of you. I have declared greatness prevailing in your life in every single area. And so, God, today we just come and we just recognize, God, that you are the one that we need. You are the answer. You are the one. You are the maker of heaven and earth. And the fact that we get to come and have a real relationship with you, God, we bow. We bow in wonder. We bow in awe. We recognize, God, there's no one like you. And so, God, I'm confident. I'm confident that whatever I'm facing, I'm going to beat this thing because you're with me. I'm confident, God, that greatness will prevail in my life. It will prevail in my kids. It will prevail in my finances. It will, it will prevail at the job. Your greatness will prevail over my life. It is the Holy Spirit living down inside of me. And so, God, I choose to lift up a shout of praise today. God, I choose to say you are worthy. Come on, church. You are good. God, I choose to recognize that you are the one that I need.
you, God. God, your presence is evident in this church today. And so, God, I ask that you would go and that you would penetrate the heart of every person in this room. God, I thank you that this word was personalized for us today. God, I thank you, Lord, that this word, we are going to go home, that we are going to meditate on it. We are going to remember, okay, God, you've called me to something great. You've called me to accomplish something on earth. And if I'm going to do that, I'm going to have to get rid of some things. I'm going to have to be okay with the pain connected to the promise, but I'm willing to do it for you. We love you, Lord. If you've never given your life to Christ, I'm here to tell you that today is your day. Today is your day to boldly, without shame, say, I need you, God. I've never given my life to you, or maybe you want to rededicate your life to God. I'm telling you that today marks a changed moment in your life. Today will be such a profound day for you. And so with every head bowed and eyes closed, if you want to give your life to God or rededicate your life, maybe you've walked away from him. And you're going to say, God, I need you today. On a count of three, I want you to boldly raise your hand. One, two, three. God, I need you. God, I need you. Thank you, Lord. With everybody, repeat this prayer after me. Dear Lord. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross that I may have life in heaven and life on earth. And so God, I choose to put my faith in you today. I believe God that you love me with a reckless love, that you would do anything for me. I'm gonna pray over you, God, I thank you for this word. God, I thank you for every heart that gave their life to Christ. God, this is what we're here for. God, I thank you, Lord, that you are so good. God, and throughout the week, they are just going to be reminded of how good you are, of how much you love them. So, God, I thank you. I thank you for the greatness that's living down on the inside of us. God, how good you are.